hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Beer Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. <laughs> I went with the lighter beer I know. for a reason. Yeah. You can't hold your booze no. anymore, man. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Jason, what movie are we talking about today? Today we're discussing 1985's Demons. Michael, what are we drinking today? Hello, kitty. Um, we are drinking and enjoying Cacao del Diablo Imperial Mole Stout. Nice. From Reunion Brewery in Coralville, Iowa. It's a big rascal. This is part of the Iowa trip. They sponsored us. They provided this beer for us. Thank you so much, Reunion. Uh, they did one other beer. They did another episode, Vanishing Point. Absolutely. Uh, visited there uh, when Jane and I were back, and then we had to drive back. So I collected a whole bunch of beer, and Reunion was super generous. I had had this before, and the, one of the owners, he'd thrown this in as sort of an afterthought. And I said, I know exactly where this is going. And I told him, I said, it's going to be on Demons. They're into the B-movies, specifically horror movies. And I said, it's going in October. And he was, everybody's excited about that. Of course. So, And I told him, I said, have you seen it? And he said, no. And I said, check it out. So it's a mole stout. It has chocolate nibs, cinnamon, dried guajillo. Apologies if I mispronounced that. Guajillo, ancho, and chili de arbol chiles. Delicious. You like it, huh? Oh, yeah. And know what? This is dangerous because there is not a strong alcohol taste. It does nothing to tell you. This is a 12% beer. And it does nothing no. to give you the... There's no warning sign. You smell it, and it's like sweet and chocolatey. You drink and you it, taste and it's- it. It has a cinnamon taste and there's a small little heat at the end, but it does not remind you, like, be careful, be forewarned. <laughs> I can say, I, I can say, like, th- this is the kind of beer, this thing's going to drop an anvil on your head if you're not careful because it is, it's super tasty. So you could see yourself just going, ooh, like drinking and being, this is going down really nice. Yeah. You go to get up from your chair and suddenly you're talking to the floor yeah. and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. It's delicious. It, it, re- it really is. Cheers. Cheers. And thank you, Reunion. Thank uh, you. Yeah, they did a collaboration yes, for Vanishing Point. Yep, it was uh, all gas, no breaks yep. with uh, Wake Brewing. Another high percent beer. <laughs> that was. They don't mess around in the Midwest. If you're an amateur beer drinker, <laughs> stay away from the Midwest. They they will leave you in their wake. So, But it fits perfectly with this movie. Demons 1985, directed by Lamberto Bava. It was your choice. It was my choice. I love this movie. This is one of those, when I was a kid, you don't really have video stores anymore, but you would go and look, and basically we would just beeline for the horror section and just grab movies left and right. We had books about movies, and you're at the video store, we just look at the horror movies, and we came out, and there's, you know, Demons. was, Of course, as is great, you know, there's a demon on the cover, so you just want to, you got to get this. This movie did not let me down. It has the gore, the practical effects, the jump scares, just that sense of dread, people trapped in a theater as demons are just running amok. It's, just, it's great fun. You can't get too serious about it. If you try to apply logic, you're wasting your time and it's Lumberto Bava he's the son of Mario Bava who's a legendary Italian horror film director Black Sabbath Black Sunday House of Exorcism slash Lisa and the Devil produced by Dario Argento of course you know this has horror bona fides (laughs) big time royalty Italian horror royalty made this it's one of those soundtrack movies where it's like there's a huge bunch of 80s MTV so it's music 
mixed with the movie kind of thing. Oh, I went back and watched on YouTube a lot of these bands, their MTV videos for their songs. I know. So did I, man. You get like, well, what is it? Uh, You get, there's Billy Idol, there's Motley Crue. Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield. Go West. Go West. Saxon. Yeah, Saxon, except with Udall Dirk Schneider. I'm an unabashed fan of this movie. Forward momentum constantly getting you just to the next insane moment. This is an entertaining horror movie. When you mentioned dropping an anvil on your head, <laughs> this is like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, no, th- this movie is Don't just... try to apply logic to this. I was really surprised that you hadn't seen this. I clearly remember the VHS cover at the video store. Imagine at one point, I probably did watch this, but it had been <laughs> so long... <laughs> Like, and now I've watched it several times. Okay, might, have, might have been under the influence of, of certain beverages yeah, and perhaps know. herbal medications. I could see that. I saw this at 85, so I probably saw it when I was like 12 when it came out on video. I come back to it every so often. Uh, spoiler alert, going forward, you're going to hear all about the movie. We watched it on YouTube. That's where I found yep. it. That's where I watched it, too. It yeah. was on YouTube. Yeah. I, I looked at Amazon Prime. I looked on Tubi. I think it used to be available on Prime. Okay. And then they took it away. Well, that, I mean, that happens with Prime. I and mean, we both realize, like, they rotate through their movies. That you put something in your list and you're like, oh, it's Prime. And then the next month, oh, I have to pay for this now? But what I notice is that a lot of times the ones that I, like, for the podcast, they end up going off Prime when I need them. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was one we did where it was on Prime. I went back to take a final note. And I'm, oh, they're going to charge me now for it? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> how, how dare you? I think <laughs> I already paid for the privilege. <laughs> You want me to pay for the privilege of the privilege, I guess. So, no, so okay, we're in Berlin, 1985. We're in the subway. It's interesting because we're dealing with demons, the underworld. So we're underground. We begin underground. We have sort of one of our main characters, Cheryl. She's riding the subway. She's a student in Berlin. The soundtrack even is so 80s, it's unbelievable. It's like this synth and a electronic drums playing, and you see all these you know, different types of people in the Berlin underground. She's like riding to class. She's got a Bella Bartok book with Michael her. Michael Cosmos. Yep. And, and a, you know, he's a composer. So again, it's the melding of like the music, visual arts kind of thing going on. And she's riding along, and she's at one point, this character keeps coming up. We call him Metal Face or whatever. Yeah. It's a guy with like half of his face is like a chrome mask. He looks like a partial Doctor Doom or someone from Metal Storm. <laughs> he kind of does. He really does. She sees the image of this guy's face in a window. The subway comes to a stop, and she gets off. The opening scene, she seems pensive. She seems like every girl, college student, 1980s. Everybody else on the train, you're, there's, a, like you said, an assortment of characters. There's a lot of punks on the train. She's clutching her book, and she seems a little pensive. When she gets off, that subway station slowly empties out. And it seems like it's going to start off like an Argento kind of giallo movie and everything like that. That whole atmosphere where now yeah. you're in underground. You're in a place that no one is at, and you start hearing footsteps and chains at first, you're like, okay, this is going to start. Yeah. This is going to be horrific. And she's really walking really fast. She is scared. And yeah. she turns a corner, and you're into Metal Face. Metal Face. And he's carrying, he's got this like weird basket yeah. of tickets. And, and you think, just, well, this is going to be a stabbing. Exactly, but it's not. <laughs> you know, it seems nice. He like gives her this big ticket yeah. that says Metropole yeah. 
on it and it's a ticket to a special screening and and of course she does what she thinks is a nice thing yeah. and she asks can i get a second one for my friend yeah and jason i just gotta say you, you know you mentioned the, the empty subway there is something very scary about an empty subway station i mean you go to like american werewolf in london yeah. the guy who gets hit in the subway it's really scary and devil's express <laughs> the, exactly <laughs> for me it's it can be a little creepy but not as scary as it might be for a young woman like that, who I kind of get the vibe she might be from another city. She's coming here, coming from somewhere else to go to school in the big city. So if you're in a kind of a place that you're not familiar with. At first, I think she's special because she gets the Willy Wonka gold ticket for this theater. But then you see him later on just passing out tickets to every rando who wants every, a ticket. Every guy in jorts or sweatpants coming by gets gets a ticket. There you go. Man, I thought I was special. And I think that's a hint, too, from the director, intended or not, that Cheryl... Although we start with her, she's not really the main... I mean, she makes it kind of to the end, but she's not really the main character after a while. Once they get into the movie theater, she's not the main character. She asks him an important question. Are you dressed like this for the promotion of the film? There's no answer for that. The corner of his mouth kind of goes into a smile as he turns away. She's got the ticket. She meets her friend Kathy. And it's interesting because I get the vibe. I feel like they're college students. The thing is, they talk about cutting class and this teacher like high school students. Yeah. And also, we're watching a dub version of Italian. <laughs> this, this is true. They, yeah. Jane walked in. She said, is this movie dubbed? I went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there is a moral of this story. Like, don't cut class for a sinister movie ticket. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely, positively. They go to the Metropole, yeah. and like nobody is aware of this. Every you hear over and over, like, I didn't even know this place was here. Yeah. I thought it closed down a long time yeah. ago. Like nobody is kind of going, what's going on? And we get all these sort of like types. Like we have the angry middle aged couple that for some reason, and the guy is so rude to his wife. He's just he he basically just you know, hey, why don't you shut up? <laughs> I'm taking you out, aren't I? It's like their yeah. anniversary. Or and he's something. like, so what? What else do you want? I mean, he's a- Jerk. Oh, he's horrible. But Ingrid, that yeah. actress, we're introduced to Michael. There's one employee of this whole giant theater. That's a red flag. And she's she's a redhead. She's wearing a green dress. Yeah, with she's got giant curly collars. Oh, huge collars with the, you know pretty red hair. Oh, yeah. There's something about her throughout the movie that you feel like she's, she's somehow in on what the shenanigans. And we're introduced. To her. I think she's filling herself up. It's an odd scene where introduced her like either she's looking at her her butt in a mirror yeah. and pulling her pants. I mean, it's I don't know what's going on in that no, scene. But but it's interesting cuz the Metropole is a couple of things. You have you have all these movie posters There's the Terminator, yeah. there are all these movie posters sort of self-referential yep. like a meta movie where where it's yep. going, "Hey, these are movies. This is reality." And Smack dab in the middle of the lobby is a dirt bike <laughs> with a mannequin suit. It's a ninja wielding a katana. It cannot get more 80s than that. The 80s was so big. All those ninja movies. You remember there's ninja and so many like karate and ninja movies yeah. in the ninja 80s. Ninja 3, the Dominion. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like the ninja on the motorcycle can only exist in the 80s. I think we talked about Raymond Chandler before. If you show a gun in the first act, you better have a gun being shot by the third act. So if you see a dirt bike with a katana sword in the first act, you better be using that dirt bike yes. and that sword by the end of the movie. That's not just there for looks. <laughs> the studded ninja suit. Like... 
as a movie theater, the Metropole is a real location. It is a real building in Berlin. There's no concession stand in this movie theater. That would have been a red flag to me. There's a vending machine. And Cheryl and Kathy are trying to get a Coke out. And I don't know if Coke sponsored this movie. Probably not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, in, in fact, I, it's it's shocking to me, even in, in the mid-80s, because it was like E.T., I think, is when people sort of said, you know, that's when that the whole branding, you know, putting your stuff in, that really took off with E.T., with the Reese's Pieces. By the mid-80s, it was sort of become a norm. I'm kind of shocked that Coke let this slide. So am I. Because there's people snorting Coke from, from a, a Coke, Coke can, can at one point. They can't get the concessions out of this this junky machine. So we get our couple, George and Ken, our 80s fellas. Yeah, in pleated pants. Pleated. That was another thing in the 80s, man. How many pleats can you get on a pair of pants? Well, like, like you mentioned when we were talking about clothing stores in malls from 80s. Chess King. <laughs> yeah, these guys are familiar with Chess King. They tell, I don't know. I mean, I guess they had chess game in Berlin. I'm sure they uh, in did. In the 80s. Yeah. You know? Well, they look like it. I oh, mean, my God. I mean, this movie is a time capsule of 80s MTV music and clothing styles. Absolutely. Every guy seems to want to wrap their sweater tied around not in their... Do people do that in real life? I don't I've think never I seen that. ever I've, did that. I've never done that, except as a joke. Yeah. Or if I wanted to movies. go... If I wanted to go as the douchey guy from an 80s movie, I might wrap a sweater over yeah. and just tie it around my neck. So these guys come over. They, they see the girls and they go, yeah. uh-huh, let's go. One of them's blonde. One of them's brunette. You know the blonde guy is going to be more of the hero because it is the 80s. Yes. He's either going to be the villain or the hero. You got feathered blonde hair in the 80s. That's what you're doing. So they come over, help the girls get their snack treats. Again, I'm totally with you. Is that yeah. If I went to a theater and they you don't have popcorn, you're baloney is what you are. You are not. I want, I want overpriced popcorn. Like, and you have one attendant handling this whole crowd for a movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Which includes, and, and one of your guests is a pimp with two of his ladies. Yeah. Tony the pimp. And one of his a, ladies, Rosemary, picks up something from the bike. She's horsing around. Well, before that, though, we meet the blind man, Werner, yes. and his lady. But the blind guy, he's the one who sees what's happening. Because on this motorcycle is a mask, this chrome, like demonic looking mask. It's scary. He goes up and he touches it a little bit and instantly reacts. And he tells his lady, Liz, he says, don't touch that. Well, Tony the pimp, and like you said, Rosemary, not only does she touch it, she takes it off. Puts, puts on it her on her face. face and it starts goofing around, which I mean, on so many levels, it's like if it's an art installation, right. you don't go around touching stuff right. in a museum, just being disrespectful and rude and costs everybody everything. Because when she takes the mask off, cuts her a little bit on the cheek. And Tony says, they'll teach you to touch things. <laughs> He's got some great lines. That was one of my favorites. Well, I, we're going to link out. In our show notes, someone put all of Tony's lines together in one montage. <laughs> so we transition where everybody's in the movie theater now, and the movie's going to start. And it has the narration of, the sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. And I'm assuming that has to do with the sleep of reason produces monsters, which was a Goya painting. That's a very famous where guys sleep in and there's like bats and owls behind him. Oh. And then you have Motley Crue's song, Save Our Soul. It's a great <laughs> tune, man. In the movie that they're watching, there are two couples and they're on dirt bikes. 
Oh, whoa, whoa. Where have I seen the dirt bikes before? <laughs> so, and they're riding up to these ruins and they're Scooby doing it. Totally Scooby doing it. And Kathy's ticked off because she said, it's a horror movie. Great. We figure out quickly, if you're paying attention, the metal face dude from the subway is one of the characters in this movie. Oh, yeah. That's not good. You know, unless I was- mean, in a way, I guess it could be like, oh, hey, that actor is the guy who gave me the ticket. Yeah. Not here. This no, is a, this no. a good thing. You know? so, <laughs> this is a red flag. Because they find this inscription. Hey, everybody, this says something. Yeah. And they go, well, what does it say? <laughs> it's just, they will make cemeteries their cathedrals and tombs your cities. Yeah. That's kind of a get out of there moment. I mean, I'm all for like a good scare and stuff like that. But everything about what they're exploring is pushing it for me. Yeah, and they have a know-it-all. He's like, well, you know... <laughs> Rumor has it that Nostradamus was buried here. And he's not. I mean, you could go and visit Nostradamus's grave and everything like that. It's like a tourist attraction. And, and I'll tell you what, Jason. Like, I've read uh, quite a bit about Nostradamus. And they said he was a prophet and he predicted things. Said, what did he predict? They, well, he, he predicted the discovery of Neptune and Saturn and, and Hitler and the coming of the demons. I don't remember ever reading the Nost- of the Nostradamus demons. going, yeah, yeah, on the, the fifth day of the early sun... <laughs> The coming of the demons. <laughs> I put him up there with, what was one of Ed Wood's groupies, Griswell? <laughs> he had all these predictions as well. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, yeah. So, the, I mean, the coming of the demons, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Not good. Then meanwhile, Rosemary and Tony and Carmen, I think, is the other lady. They're smoking. They're being disrespectful. They're Ingrid, the redhead in the green dress, just walking up and down the aisles with a flashlight, shining it on people, trying to find people who are guilty of malfeasance or something. And I don't remember ever being at a movie theater unless someone was loud and someone complained that the ushers came in. And it was another hint that I'm like, oh my gosh, Ingrid's up to something. She's walking through looking at people. At the end, I realized, like, no, she's just... Like someone paid her to do this job. What a drag. She needed a job that somebody calls her up and says, hey, would you mind coming and just watching this theater? And, and she goes, yeah, sure. And then she realized, first of all, I'm the only one working. I've got no backup or anything. I have to take care of this whole theater. That movie theater, large enough to have multiple it's theaters. Huge. Meanwhile, Werner, the blind man, and Liz, I guess wife? I don't know if it's his wife, if it's his daughter, or just like since he's blind, he has an assistant. Yeah. It feels like there's something else going on because this dude shows up. Rico Suave. <laughs> I know. Reminds me of Tom Noonan a little well, bit. There's a difference between like American cinema where everybody has to be good looking. This bald guy shows up. And not, he, <laughs> not the most attractive dude in the world. And they start messing around right in front of Werner. It's just disrespectful. He has no daredevil skills. There's, there's so much disrespect going on in the theater at that moment. And meanwhile, George and Ken have... You know, they're sitting next to, to Kathy and Cheryl and, you know, they're making the move. In fact, at one point, it's funny because George tells Cheryl, hey, if you get scared, you can hold my hand. Then he gets scared and, and grabs her. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of, you're going, you're going, oh, maybe this isn't the savior guy. And, and the actor, George, you know, we're watching the dub version. He has a completely Italian, like the actor's name is Urbano Barberini. Oh, yeah. And no. the only thing I know from is, do you ever watch those gore fantasy sci-fi epic movies there was like gore and prisoner of gore he played gore in two oh, of these yeah. 80s movies right on. I remember and those gore. were based off like i think john oh, what's it norman wrote a series of 
gore novels, like 20 or 30 novels. I could be wrong how many, but he wrote a lot, and they made two of them in the movies, and he played gore. That's the only thing I recognize him from. So the kids in the movie find Nostradamus's tomb. They're getting closer and closer to loosing these demons, and this is one of my big questions in this movie. The movie they're watching, do you think it's a movie, or do you think they're being shown almost documentary footage of this is how the demons got out. It's such a strange meta movie. I never looked at it that way. I looked at it as this being like a cursed film. Showing this film causes this outbreak. I thought that, but then the more I've watched it, the more I feel like this is just, this is what happened. This is what happened. This really happened. Well, let's be clear. They don't offer any insight or no, explain no, anything no, because, in this because movie. I, and, and it's one of the things I love because it's basically we are just all we're doing is getting to the point because as the movie's unfolding and the couples are going down into these tombs, into this the ruins, they find Nostradamus's tomb, they open it, they find a book, and the know-it-all guy starts reading. Meanwhile, Metal Face guy takes this mask out and horses around with it just like Rosemary yeah. did. Trick or treat. <laughs> just dumb. Just really being being dumb. He ends up cutting himself on the cheek just like Rosemary. So as the movie is happening, things in the real world are reflecting it. It's paralleling. You know, you and have a mirroring. Because Rosemary realized, oh, my cut is bleeding again. The smart guy says, well, you shouldn't have done that. It actually <laughs> says, it says, whoever wears it becomes a demon. <laughs> yes, and I like you said, Nostradamus had to spell out into this book that they found his tomb that demons are instruments of evil. Just to be clear, yeah. <laughs> demons, no good. If you put the mask on, <laughs> you will become a demon and instrument of evil, yeah. and you will spread pestilence and contaminate <laughs> the world. And Rosemary's going, I got to go to the bathroom, sort this out. And this is where the movie, it's about 20 minutes in. This is exactly when this you let go of the slingshot and the thing just takes <laughs> off. Because, I mean, seriously, this is the point. Rosemary goes into the bathroom and all of a sudden these horrible, like, pustules start erupting. There's some great sp- practical effects oh, in this. And, 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 and it's grody, it like, zip-poppy just, practical Just people effect. going, you know what? Tom Savini thinks he can do stuff. <laughs> We're going to show him. I mean, that's what they're... It's just this one upsmanship of just whatever was like the nastiest, goriest thing you saw. You use that as the floor. And then you just shoot a rocket off into space and go because it just starts popping ooze and green ooze is coming out. And she's freaking out because... I would be too. (laughs) Oh my God. And I like the fact that Carmen, the other woman, tells Tony after Rosemary leaves... (laughs) That's exactly what happened in the movie. And he says, ah, it's a bunch of shit, baby. (laughs) I mean, Tony's one of the great characters in in this movie. And he does prove to be a worthwhile character. He's not just a jerk. I mean, he's a jerk. Don't get me wrong. He's the only character that has some depth in this movie. Always makes me sad when he goes down. So Rosemary, she's going down. She's not having a good time. Her her thing is paralleling the guy in the movie. And she's transforming after a while, Tony's like, where is she? And Carmen goes, I'll go check on her. Does he slap her in the butt as she gets up? I, I think he does. <laughs> yeah. <there's this> <laughs> and then like the 
old couple, that angry old man who's taken his wife to a free movie telling on her. his anniversary. He's like, shut up! Shut. He's not telling his wife to shut up. He's telling someone else to shut up. I think at one point he he looks at Tony and the girls. He goes, he goes, ah, it's a prostitutes. Yeah, <laughs> total prostitutes. Well, I think he used another term. Yes, you yes. can spot him a mile away. <laughs> That's the guy you just keep wanting. You're like, man, I can't wait till the demons get that guy. He <laughs> sucks. Carmen goes in. She sees at the sink all this blood. And then she finds Rosemary in a stall. And when Rosemary turns around, she's full on demon. And Carmen books it. But, you know, Rosemary chases her, scratches her. This begins this whole thing of, of Carmen is paralleling what's going on in the movie. Rosemary's just running amok as a demon. Carmen ends up behind the screen. Again, it's like the movie, the movie, the movie. It's like, where does it stop? Cause, and I think that's great. They put her behind the screen. And eventually, she rips away and falls through the screen as part of the movie. I mean, although Rosemary is already infected, Carmen starts that infection among that theater group. At that time, Werner, the blind man, also realizes, Liz, where's my assistant Liz? She's out there getting hot and heavy with, uh, with Mr. Creepo. Rico Suave, yeah. Creepo guy. Yeah. Creepo guy. <laughs> yeah. Rosemary ends up finding them. She takes a rope and they're Just, making like, strangle out. Strangle And this guy is like, the, the guy she's cheating with, I mean, you know, he's, he's a no account, no yeah. matter what. Werner starts calling for her. Yeah. He's like scared. Yeah. You know, he's blind. Yeah. It's, he's in a theater. He doesn't know what's up. He's calling for Liz. She goes, oh, he's calling for me. Yeah. He's like, no, you're not leaving. Yeah. Just pull you back. Then Rosemary comes out, wraps the rope around the two of them, just basically kills them by pulling them together as they're making out, which is, again, over the top. Over the top. Awesome. And she's just like gleefully laughing as a demon. It's like, Rosemary had so much fun. That actress must have had a great time just playing that, you know, just go free. Be free and be a crazy, be a a demon. And Kathy, she's Cheryl's friend. She's like, I think someone's screaming behind that screen and, and everyone's like poo-pooing yeah like, no 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 no, no it's just it's, it's just excellent sound yeah, it's then, the 80s we have dolby and then carpet actually <laughs> rips through the screen <laughs> yeah and everyone's going oh my god oh my god and tony goes to just shove him he's like yeah, that's my friend yeah. <laughs> he's like holy h <laughs> She's a friend of mine. So they go up and she's turning into a demon yeah. where she gets up. She's changing into a demon. And everyone's going, whoa, yeah. this is not cool. And the tongue thing, this 18-inch tongue comes out of her mouth and goes back in for no reason whatsoever. It's just a way for the effects people to just say, we have this thing we can do. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, and it is. It, yeah, because she's up on this stage turning into a demon and everybody's just full-on panic. Then... Rosemary, she throws over the makeup the company, guy. Rico Suave, the bald guy. She throws him over the banister because they're in the what I refer to as the balcony level. The, I the call theater. it the balcony, yep. too. He comes falling out, hanging, which just adds more chaos. And Tony's like, and more- <laughs> What did they say in Monty Python? Run away! Run away! Run away. <laughs> it is. Tony takes charge. <laughs> Boom. Run away. And meanwhile, the guy, the jerk husband, finally gets it. Because Carmen rips his oh, throat. I out. hate that scene. It really it's, bothers it's me. So, it's great. Oh my he's, god. He's 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 trying to flee, but Carmen goes, "Nope, <laughs> nope." Dot com on that one, bud. I'm ripping your throat out, which is kind of interesting because he needs to shut up. Yeah. He's, he's a rude person, yeah. so it's like sort of fitting that his throat's ripped out, so he can't talk anymore and be yeah. rude to his wife. So this is accept. Yeah. There's a band accept. Their yeah. big hit was <laughs> balls to the wall. <laughs> And the video had 
the lead singer Udo Dirk Schneider, and he was like swinging on like a wrecking ball, and it was balls to the wall. But they're this song, they're like a heavy metal band, so you have all these people panicking trying to flee this theater, and there's like thumping heavy metal music is just rocking. They like go to the doors, and it's just brick walls. They're trapped. They are not getting out. We can joke, laugh at logic and all the silliness in this movie. I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Just an hour ago, I walked through those doors and it's just a wall. I can't get out. It's great that you were able to point out except was performing fast as a shark during that scene because between Night Danger by Pretty Maids and Everybody Up by Saxon. Okay, who's performing during that scene and then who's performing at the murder cycle scene at the end? (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Werner finds Liz. It's really heartbreaking. And then it just gets mean because he finds her and then Rosemary finds him and rips the blind man's eyes out. What? 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 He doesn't see already. (laughs) This is rude. It's like, this poor guy, you're kind of hoping, like, hey, you're going to leave this guy alone. No. And that is one of the things I do love about this movie. So over the top, it's yeah. like nobody's safe. Like nowadays, it's all cool. Like yeah. you go to like Game of Thrones yeah. or you know The Sopranos, where it's like, oh, someone's gonna, yeah. someone you love is going to get killed. I'm like, this movie was doing that before, where you just kind of go, I think that person's going to be safe. Oh my god, no, they, yeah. they just tore his no, eyes. No, no one's safe in this yeah, movie. Yeah, this, everybody's going to get it. <laughs> everybody's going to get it. And that the actor who played Vernon the Blind Guy. In Supernatural, the actor who played Death reminded me of that actor. Absolutely. He has a very oh, different kind of yeah. scarecrow type of look. The demons kind of act like a zombie infection. If you're scratched or bit, you're going to turn... And not even that. If like you come in contact like with, with any goo. of the fluids. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's what happens to Hannah. And, yeah. and we don't know what happened to Cheryl when we get to the end there. Yeah. It's like we're not really sure. So it's a siege movie now at the theater. And they realize that it must be the movie. What happened to Rosemary happened in the movie, so it makes sense. Let's stop the movie. If we stop the movie, all this nonsense will stop. They cruise on up to the projection booth, break in, and they find, which in the 80s was probably like supposed to be a really cool computer type deal. It's a gigantic computer. The flashing lights. The flash, tons of buzzing lights. The thing's about as big as this room. And I'd say this room is what, like 15 feet across? It's just a giant thing of blinking lights. This is automated. Nobody's up there doing it. So they just have to smash it. Which makes me think there's also within this movie is maybe a little message about like how automation is sort of killing us. Where You're you, digging deep into this movie. Hell like yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Well, because, you know, you used to have the projector and the guy running the projector. Well, but I think they were expecting, it, like, an evil demon projectionist yeah. up there going, like, I mean, I'm the wa- bad guy. But if you watch, like, Cinema Paradiso, <laughs> it's like that, you know, love letter to, <laughs> to films. It's like, no, man, it used to be you had a guy up there doing Tyler the reels. Durgan. Exactly, doing <laughs> that stuff. But no, now you have, it's just, we got this big machine. It's dehumanizing. It was Ingrid her ticket taker who pointed them towards that projection and I and I'm like wait a second she's in on this you should not trust her at this point I'm like oh wait a second maybe I'm wrong about her she, she seems just- genuinely panicked Cheryl has her second vision of metal face just doesn't really go anywhere it's just she sees his reflection in a mirror and then we cut to the obligatory 80s punks who have to be in a lot of these movies. The writers got themselves in a hole like, okay, we're having a siege movie to theater. They can't get out. What happens next? We're, we're like, we're, yeah. mm, you know what? We're going to go outside the movie theater. We have this group of punks. <laughs> yes. And um, he's like, okay. And, and not only that, 
They're snorting coke. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It's the 80s. It's a punk rock what or if, zoo. What if we have the punk snorting coke like us? And then somebody said, wait a second. What if we have them snorting coke from a coke can? Ooh. Because <laughs> they are. They're yeah. driving around Berlin. In with a station a can wagon. In a, sta- in a station <laughs> wagon. They're punks. We find out they did steal the car. And they're listening to what band, Michael? What are they listening Go to? Go West. These are the lamest punkers of all time. At least the ones in, in Return of the Living Dead. We're listening to some serious we, stuff. We close our eyes by we Go our, West. Go West, we close our eyes. Which Go listen. This is just a weak sauce song. The next song is Send My Heart by The Adventures, which is all, you know maybe one step above Go West. They finally get around to Billy Idol, True. White Wedding, which, yeah. which is decent, acceptable. Yeah. But, I mean, again, just driving around Berlin, snorting cocaine. So we, we kind of go back and forth to and, those And that's guys. a big filler in the movie. We just get empty scenes of yeah. these guys being rude, nihilistic, unpleasant yeah. people. A lot of unpleasant people populate this movie. I don't know why they hang out. They don't like each other. They're not nice to each other. They're led by a group named Ripper. It's three guys and a lady. End up dumping all the coke by accident. And Ripper's like, "You, every single gram you pick up. It's just ridiculous. So <laughs> we'll get back to them. But yeah, there are just a lot of cutaway scenes of yeah. them just driving around to crappy music. Yeah. <laughs> doing cocaine like like it's their job like in the theater they, they're like they get up in the balcony they're like yeah. you know hey we're up here Werner he shows up and his eyes are gouged yeah. out the poor bastard and he says whoa whoa no no it's not the movie it's the theater yeah. the theater is the problem it's cursed why he isn't a demon at this point not sure yeah. so they decide we're gonna barricade ourselves in the balcony and, t- and Tony spots Liz's body, and he's like, next to her, he's like, we need to toss this body over the side. <laughs> and I, I think that is a perfectly logical reaction. George is going, I'm not going to do that. And Werner doesn't want that to happen. I mean, I can sort of understand him. At this point, I've seen enough. I don't trust that dead body. And it's a good reason. Tony has good reason yeah. to, because it ends up being his undoing that he doesn't get it over yeah. because he's going to do it. And then all of a sudden, jerk husband, he's he's jumping up into the balcony. He's like, ah! And yeah. Tony has a switchblade and like stabbing him. And he stabs him and he falls over it and he falls over the one girl, Hannah, who's played by one of Dario Argento's. Fiore, Fiore Argento. And, and she's hit by him. Not attacked, but his goo is just like carving her. Okay, first... <laughs> First of all, she was like with the group and then she like went back into the theater where some really nasty stuff is happening and she's crawling between. But yeah, you're right. The dude falls down, doesn't, you know, scratch, doesn't bite, doesn't do anything, seems dead. But yeah, just goo flooding all over. She's freaking out. Tony ends up getting it. He goes like, are you afraid to break it stuff? Yeah, because we have to barricade and so start tearing stuff apart. Then Liz pops up. With the dangly man. Like, it's both of them. And, and she bites him. Yeah, I feel bad for Tony at that point. I always feel bad for Tony. Right before that, he goes, they ain't going to get me. <laughs> Super aggressively angry about that. They're not going to get me. And he gets got. And, of course, they fall over the side. And George is the one who cuts the cord finally. He's like, I guess I will take a switchblade and listen to what Tony had to say. And during all of this, George has the idea of starting to bang on the walls. Maybe somebody, we're trapped in here, maybe we can get some attention. And the sad thing is, it works. And what's sad 
is the only people who hear it are the punks who park in an alley inside the theater and they're going, hey, what's that? What's all the sound? The cops come along and go, hey, what are you punks doing? And Ripper, he, he goes, am I parked illegally? He goes, oh, hold on, I'll get out of here, officer. And he goes down to the wires. He's yeah. like trying to cross the wires to get yeah. start. And then they just bolt and they run down this alley and the door just magically opens. Yeah. I'm never going in a magically opening door. No. You see something scurry out. Like, it took me several times to watch this. Like, oh, something scurries out. That is the thing that really just turns this into, like, 28 days later. The infection rate seems to be sort of exponential. I mean, in some ways, it seems like I could touch you and boom, demon. We have these multiple lines where they're still barricading, trying to barricade up at the balcony level. And then... Tommy and Hannah, which they're is They're sneaking off. They decide we're going to stay away. And there are some great shots of like, you know, you have those stairs going up and down and you see a shadow of something, you know, the demon is coming. To me, it's just like super, super creepy and scary. And they use those eyes glowing, which is re- what I remember for those posters. Exactly. There's a, and I, It's coming up when the punks get in there. The Kind of an iconic shot of Tony... And the other demons coming up these stairs, they're backlit. And what it is, it's a reflective paper that Lumberto Bava, I guess, saw and realized, oh, that would be pretty cool to put it over their eyes. And it gives these like bright glowing eyes. Tommy and Hannah are going their own way. They end up in these in the air vents. Yes. They, they climb in, they pull the Dallas from and Alien. How is the air vent going to get you out of... The movie theater. I mean, I I don't understand their plan, but yes, they do do that. And the rest of the group, they finally found that there's a hole in the wall. They punch a hole through the wall. This section of the movie serves no purpose whatsoever. I thought they're going to find a sanctuary like Nostradamus. I thought they're going to find that movie scene. Every time I watch it, I think what I might have done is said they get in there and then they realize, holy crap, it's like the ruins from the movie. Exactly, we're doomed. But they end up. It is a dead end. They hit a dead end room. Total despair yeah. sets in on everyone. They Everybody's got like, ah! we, we are so doomed. But no, I'm with you, Jason. I, I kept going, you know what? If I was back there, I would have said, no, what we should do is make this the ruins. Yeah. I, because it looks like they're in another office area. The camera angle of the time falling along the walls. The, I'm like, am I missing something? And I'm not saying it happened, but it is the 80s. Maybe a little cocaine was involved. <laughs> That they said, this is a really cool shot. If we just follow really close tight along the wall, there's nothing. We don't get anything from it. There's no explanation. They just go, wow, this stinks. And then they go back and they all just sit around the balcony. And then Kathy starts hearing something. She's like, I think there's something under the debris. And it's actually the Werner, like, slowly crawling. Crawling. Yeah. But he's not a demon (laughs) yet. And meanwhile, this this is when the cops rouse the the punks. They go into the theater. They just start breaking things. It's surprising to me that the punks were running around. They're kind of trashing the joint. None of them thought to grab the katana. Because that feels like something. If you're going to go and just trashing a place and you see a ninja on a dirt bike... With a katana, you're going to go, I'm going to take that katana. I agree. <laughs> and do some trashing. So they're just being jerks. And, of course, this draws the attention of the demons. Well, they come across a doorway that was sealed off by Tony and George and Ken at the beginning that kept Rosemary shuttered. Yes. A, wo- a woman, for some reason, wandered in this yeah. completely gross room yeah. and ends up getting attacked by Rosemary. 
and they trap her in yeah. there. And the punks, of course, go, that barricaded door, we need to unbarricade it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I see something barricaded, probably for a reason. It's not unbarricaded. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> and the lady, Nina, who's one of the punks, and then she gets got by the woman who got got by Rosemary. There's a demon on this can. It looks like sort of a samurai demon. Yeah. On like the a, del Diablo. A, maybe a ninja demon. I, I was thinking samurai. No, you're you're right. Because the samurai, yeah. it's far a, more samurai like. Such a good beer. It is the Cacao del Diablo Imperial oh. Mole Stout Reunion Brewing. Boy, thank you guys so much. Oh, yeah. Total support from the Midwest. I love it because I'm from there. Delicious beer. Cheers again. A lot of times when people talk about the Imperial Stouts, it's like they always refer to like you know they go motor oil. This thing does have a thickness. Oh, it is. There is a, a viscosity. I think would be a good word for it. This is doing me in. We talked about Imperial Stouts and double IPAs. This is such a sweet tasting beer. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a rascal, as you it, say. Oh, it is. This is a, this is a can of trouble. It can make you the smartest person in the room or the dumbest person talking to a tree. You know? It's, like, it's, it's delicious, though. If you know what you're, you're meddling with, Unlike the people in the movie, yes. who just go around meddling with a demon mask from Nostradamus. If you know what you're kind of dealing with and meddling with with this beer, you're going to have a wonderful time. Oh, absolutely. But this thing could turn you upside down. I've had many, many beers from these guys. We had the other one for Vanishing Point. That was a great, that was, was a delicious beer. These guys are doing some really, really good stuff. And their branding is great. Like yeah. this demon is sort of, he's making a mole. It's probably a good thing that this is our second recording of the day. Yes. Because it was the first, the second recording would suffer. <laughs> I would think in my mind, like, this is the best recording ever. <laughs> and then you listen back to it and you go, that's I a, was drunk. That's a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> Frontier gibberish. <laughs> when Nina gets it, the other punks, I, this is real quick, just another fun line. One of the guys goes, oh, where's Nina? And one of them says, probably in the can. <laughs> And so the pugs, the only purpose they serve is additional body fodder. Count. It's that's, body count. That is strictly it. <laughs> and, and that's fine with me. This is the iconic shot. You see Tony. They're walking up these stairs. The eyes are glowing. The punks are about to get a harsh lesson. People in the balcony are all, they think they're being saved. I would say this is one other thing the punks kind of serve is that the people upstairs think, hey, we're being saved. Let's tear the barricade down and get out. Where, meanwhile, George is going, like, hey, hey, don't do that. You're hearing gunshots. The punks are getting back down into the theater. It's game over for them. You're at the one hour mark, and you had escalated. Now you're even escalated more. It's <laughs> just escalation. That's all this movie is, is escalation. And finally, like, Ingrid is taken out. And that really shocked me. I thought, I thought oh, I thought she was in on this Totally. Because as people time. are getting out, the demons suddenly jump in. They're yeah. they're there. George, Ken, Kathy, and Cheryl, and, Cheryl and Ingrid crawling yeah. through the, all this stuff to together. get away. And yeah, and Ingrid gets it. And it is. It, it's a shock because the whole time I thought she was like the gatekeeper. She was facilitating all of this, yeah. which begs the question. What the hell's her backstory? Exactly. How'd she get that job? <laughs> it was a temp what agency. <laughs> Just answering a Craigslist before Craigslist. There's a scary scene. Tommy and Hannah, the couple who had, it's like Ryan Felipe and Dario Argento's daughter. They decided they got through the air vents. And as they're going through the air vents, it's 
Tommy leaving, and he's like, I think they're behind us. And you keep seeing these hands walking at events that are demon-like. And then as they turn into a T-section, he's like, Hannah, you go in front of me. And he's like, oh my gosh, they're in front of us now. And then you realize, oh no. Hannah is the demon. It's a great little. It's a great little sequence because you do. You're watching. You're going. Oh, like in in your mind, you're thinking it's Rosemary because she's sort of the main demon. Yep. And you think, oh, Rosemary's up there chasing them, and then all of a sudden, it's just flipped. Like Tommy goes, yeah, Yeah. and it's Hannah eats them. Done. Game over. The reason I bring it up is Cheryl, Kathy, George, and Ken had finally gotten. Out and they're into the lobby area, and all of a sudden they look up at the, the vent. And they're like, "Maybe we should use that vent." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's happening again!" And Kathy had passed out. We find out Kathy is a demon, but not just the regular garden variety demon. Again, I think this is just the effect, what happened at this point. <laughs> effects people. I think it's just the effects people having fun because yeah, because Kathy has this thing where she she looks and, and you think, oh, maybe she's in shock, and she's saying, you know. Where am I? Who are you? What's going on? And then she turned away. And then when every time she turned back, like, oh, she's got the eyes. Yeah. And then she's total demon. Ken has no pause whatsoever. Yeah. He grabs the grate yeah. and just like bashes her down like on the neck. You think he's going to cut her head off. And then she like gives birth to a demon through her back. Yeah. Which is another kind of iconic moment in this yes. movie. They're all standing around watching. I got to tell you. That's not me. I'm running. getting away from that. Booking it in another direction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> George just goes, look at her back. Like, they needed to be told. There's something like bubbling and <laughs> bursting up from her back. I'm glad you pointed that out, yeah, George. I did not it. notice. I was too busy looking at her shoes. And sadly, Ken is scratched. <laughs> it's great because he knows. Ah, that's it. But George has gone, no, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You can walk it off. (laughs) Jason, you're my very good friend. But if that happened, man, you're on your own. Exactly. Uh, And even Ken realized it because they're they're now next to the motorcycle and the Cantana sword. What a weird coincidence. I did not expect that would ever come back up. I didn't think that would come back in Act (laughs) 3. And he keeps going like, I don't want you to see me like this. And of course, Ken then, he goes, I want you to kill me with this Cantana. And George's going, no, the demons are coming. He's like, kill me cheryl for some reason like makes her way back into the theater because george finally gets it together and cuts his friend's head off yes. with a katana it's a mercy <laughs> exactly kill. cheryl is in the theater which is the worst place to be the demons are all over and suddenly it's dirt back time it's like the murder cycle shows up freaking <laughs> awesome is that the, is that the the pretty maids that was hard for me to tell if that was the pretty maids doing night danger or if it was, was this when Saxon's doing everybody up? Saxon comes later. I think it's... Saxon's the, when during the post-apocalypse. Yes. Okay, so this is clearly then... The Pretty Maids. Pretty Maids, that Danish heavy metal band. Yeah, that. and it's a pretty rocking tune because yeah. George is just flying up and down the aisles. Classic <laughs> 80s. He's on a dirt bike, wielding a katana, just killing... BMX bandits. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> just killing demons left and right. He picks up Cheryl. He actually kills Ingrid, too. Oh, yeah. He's a demon. <laughs> he kills a lot of people. And he picks up Cheryl, and they're, like, tooling around, and then he wipes out, and he's cut, and you're going, whoa. Yeah. And at this point, his sleeves are ripped off somehow, and he looks very much that 80s action hero. Yeah. Kind of looking almost Michael yeah. Dudikoff type of deal oh, totally. going on. And then you hear a chopper. There's something going on in the roof. 
Yeah, you hear another say, and this is where I'm like, okay, they killed the demons. They 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 wrote well, themselves into another wall. Like, why what are they not? Do now? Let's just have a helicopter fall Dude, through the roof. That was the most awesome. This movie <laughs> is cartoonish. You can say it. It's the most awesome thing. <laughs> I'm like, I did not see that coming. No, no, I don't <laughs> think like, anybody did. They're sitting in the writing room. They're like, okay, okay, we're in. Like, he's killed all the demons now. They have to find a way out of the building because they have to get them out of the building. Again, I'm not saying there was or wasn't a bunch of cocaine on that table <laughs> that they were riding on. But I, it wouldn't shock me. I think if, one guy's like, we drop a helicopter into them. This was, this was a 3 a.m. idea <laughs> <laughs> from people drinking like cognac. Oh my gosh. Know, very much a Steely Dan song going on. So and all of a sudden, George is like the most resourceful guy in the world because yeah. his helicopter falls through. The two people in the helicopter were clearly like demons at one point. Well, see, and that's where I'm like, okay. I mean, it reminds me of a zombie movie. How did it spread so fast where people in plane, like it, a helicopter? It reminds me more of 28 Days Later okay. and Infected. A helicopter took off at some point and someone in that helicopter had to be infected. Exactly. Before well, the crash. But one of the things we have seen within the, with the logic within this this particular story doesn't automatically happen. I mean, we see it with Cheryl. Well, sometimes we yeah. saw it with Werner. There's not a lot of rules to it. George is, and I didn't know that there's a harpoon gun. In Every the helicopter, helicopter is I didn't know that was with a standard. harpoon gun. I did not know that if was. You a have standard. to find orca. You need a harpoon gun. <laughs> so George finds this, and of course the demons start kind of coming back, and he knows how to start a helicopter. So he starts at the, of course, the spinning blades, yeah. which I'm sure in their mind. Was a really cool idea. Yeah. Wasn't executed that yeah. well. And also, you know, yeah. Dawn of the Dead. We've seen it. He's got a winch and he's got the harpoon gun and he says, Cheryl, we're going to get out of here. She's going to get on. And one of the pilots, one of the guys from the helicopter, like grabs her. Maybe that's when she got infected. Maybe. But shoots the harpoon. They go winching their way up onto the roof. They get on. And at that point, you hear some gunshots. Yes. So like something's going on. They're sitting on the roof. They're going, man, we are out of here. We're, They're wiping their brow. We're on the edge yeah, of the A1. big, big hole that the <laughs> helicopter made. Just from a structural standpoint, I'd go, this is not a safe place to be. I would not just take a pause and look back down and go, that's a good night's work. Yeah, and because your only hope is when you're on the roof is that they have an external fire escape. Because otherwise, you're like, we're taking the stairs back down through <laughs> The theater. I am not going back in there. I, I, I will sit on that roof. I will sit on that roof as long as I have to. I will not go back in that theater. But all of a sudden, Metal Face comes up and freaking boots George back down the hole. But he's an action hero now, and he grabs a piece of that rebar. Oh, he grabs that rebar. <laughs> and I mean, you're thinking at this point, I know, like, you know, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this guy's here. George, he's keeping George from going out because he must be infected. The opposite is true. George is not infected, and that's why Metal Face is kicking him back down. He's like, don't come back out till you're infected. George is being gallant. He's telling Cheryl, you need to go. Run, run, run. But she doesn't. She comes back, stabs Metal Face with the, with the harpoon, and George gets back up. They come up this weird way. Like, he was a bar and like a fulcrum. I think that was entirely used for a special effect because I'm thinking, well, why don't you just kick him into the pit? Jason, again, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I understand that point, but I'm like, it was pretty cool that you I'm, crushed I'm thinking, his face in the Again, <laughs> I have no proof that the, a lot of the people were using cocaine, but I'm thinking maybe the effects people 
might have been the most sober. Yes. And therefore, they were able to wield a little more power. And they went, we got an idea for something. And everybody's like, go for it. Yeah. You know? It's like, we're going to go grind our teeth in that room yeah. and try to figure out what happens next. <laughs> they the, crush Metal Face. His yeah. Face they get a, rebar. the rebar through the oh. eye. It's pretty awesome. It's a great death. Then they look around and they realize the gunshots you kind of heard just a minute ago. They look around and see, oh, the demon uprising has gotten outside of the theater the end of days is upon us so they run down some stairs apparently there is a like fire escape you get a very great great kind of steady cam or gentle type shot of them running they're running along the street and there's demons like on the other side of fences and coming at them and saxon is blaring everybody up yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then it just by happenstance a family in a jeep pulls up great survival is is it is it a dad and his wife and kid, or his dad and his older daughter and, and his son? I don't know. Anyways. Flip a coin. But, yeah. But, I know I know the kid's name is Kurt. Yeah. And they're like really nonchalant. Like, we're just driving through, blowing away zombies. Yeah. And, and, like, and like eating a sandwich and like just like, I'll blow away zombies, dad. And he's like, we're heading. We saw some lights. We're going to head out west. Heading to the country. We're getting yeah. the hell out of here. Yeah. What made them stop for these two? You're just seeing people running all over the place. And so they're in the car. It's a Jeep. The top's down. George and Cheryl in the back. Credits actually start rolling. You're thinking, oh, it's going to have a it's happy a great ending. moment. There's a little music that's going on. And then... It's the music from the beginning, which yeah. is like synth and yeah. electric drums. It's yeah. such a such an 80s, 80s sound. Cheryl puts her head, leans her head against George's shoulder. And you're like, oh, happily ever after. Something's and wrong then, with her neck, yeah, though. She starts rubbing her neck. And all of a sudden, it's a full demon face. She turns, yeah, and Kurt. <laughs> the little kid just blows her away, and she falls, like, on the high- highway. Yeah, And the, awesome. the Jeep just keeps on going, like, eh, eh. you know, yeah. Cheryl, she was a demon. Yeah, I mean, that's all That's all there is to it. That's how it works. And then the music starts back up again in the which, credits. <laughs> which, at one point, if I'm Kurt or the woman, I look at the man driving, and I go, that's why we don't pick anyone up. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> I would shoot. I would shoot George at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. They were together. We don't know. That's the end of the movie. I love kind of the downbeat ending. The first character we meet ends up being a demon, and they blow her away and leave her on the road. It's an example where the movie starts, and you think she's going to be the main character as you start with Cheryl, and she's getting on a subway, and you end with Cheryl sitting in the middle of the street, <laughs> dead. And they made how many sequels to this? Well, there was Demons 2. Originally, Lumberto Bava and some other people, a couple other guys, they had a trilogy. They they were going to write this trilogy. He got really into this idea of the theater, of this. And the other guys were kind of, they weren't that into it. So he wrote this, went ahead. They did Demons 2. Then there's a movie called The Church, which is supposed to be the third and I know I've seen that on Amazon. I gotta ask you, would you recommend this movie? This is a quintessential 80s horror movie. It's funny, intentionally funny, great practical effects. It reminds me of the 80s between the style, the music. It's a cartoon. It's so over the top. And if you try to sit back and say, wait a second. Well, that doesn't make a lot. I mean, like, you're missing the point of the movie. The movie is just supposed to be a crazy movie. So I would recommend it. The The music just, it cracked me up. 
they kept listing that Rick Springfield his song was in a soundtrack. I'm not saying I'm a major Rick Springfield fan, but I know his music catalog. You think it's, if, if you say Rick Springfield, you're like, it's going to be like Jesse's girl. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like there, there are a couple of the hits that he had, but, that, but it's not, it's that odd didgeridoo sound. When they first see the Metropole that they keep using, I always forget that he's Australian. What about you? I know you chose this. Oh, hundred percent. I love this movie. It's so over the top. To me, it's a slingshot kind of hold about 20 minutes in You'll just let go, and boom, you're off and running. There are some good scares in this movie. Oh, it, it is funny. The dub, the dubbing is is kind of funny because some of the, the lines are funny. The voices are kind of funny. So I, I would recommend this. Do you Back think you'll up. watch it again? I, I will watch it again. I have a couple of friends, and they said every October they do this horror movie. They get together and watch horror movies, and they invited me to take part. <laughs> and this was one of the movies I was thinking of throwing into the mix of going... You guys haven't seen this, you know, and they're they're both younger than me, yeah. but I'm like that's no excuse. You know, <laughs> age is no excuse to, you no. know, pass up on good horror. During the 80s there was a bunch of demon movies, and there were some good ones like it started off with Evil Dead in 81, which is great and funny kind of like this, and then you had Hellraiser, which is really intense and very different. <laughs> And Both then, of which could end up on this podcast yeah. at some point. What about My Demon Lover with, uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Scott Family Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw that in the theater. I, even at the time, I went, this, this sucks. <laughs> it was terrible. But one thing I... Oh, reunion. We are, we are in agreements on the movie, and we are in agreement on Cacao del Diablo. Oh. This Imperial Mole Stout is... Cheers, Cheers again. This is so delicious. Reunion, thank you so much. Again, as it warms, the heat, the peppers come out a little oh, yeah. bit more. It is such a good time. That wraps it up. It totally wraps it up. <laughs> Please like, subscribe, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our website. This is Beer Movies. This is Jason. And I'm Michael.